Cole, thanks for doing this, man. Really excited. Cole Swider, newest member of the Miami, one of the newest members uh, of the guys on the E10 contracts here. Um, also, fellow podcaster, yep. right? Uh, yep, yep. <laughs> tell me about that, man. Like, why, why, why are players starting podcasts now? What made you want to start a podcast at this point in your career? Or I guess you yeah, so last year, last year around this time, actually, I, I was start started my training with the Lakers and everything like that, and I work out from like eight a.m. to two p.m. and then uh, I would have ten hours of my day where I had nothing nothing else to do. So I was thinking, like, what, what what's something I could do that I could like is is not like a lot of time, but but still like could, I could wrap my mind around doing something that wasn't basketball, right? So uh, me and my college uh, roommate or college teammate at the time. Uh, he was a walk on the team. His name's Patty Casey. We'd always joked around about doing a podcast. So I was like, "Hey, Patty, you want to just you want to do a podcast?" Kind of joking around, and he was like, "No, let's do it. I'm in. I'm in." So, um, yeah, we've been doing it for about a year now, and it's it's, it's been great, man. It's just something to take my mind off of basketball and I get to interview my friends and and just talk about things that um, that you might not know about a certain individual, a certain person. So it's, it's been it's been a great experience. Well, I listened to a couple of your episodes in preparation for this interview, um, and, and you guys do it over in the Blue Wire Network. Um, yeah. And look, like I said, there's a ton of player podcasts out there, and they're all different in their own little way. And the thing that I like about what you did, at least from the episodes that I heard, is you were very transparent about sort of the process and all of this stuff. Like, you're just very, hey, this is my job. I'm trying to make it work. I'm trying to get a regular roster spot and all these things. And um, I found it interesting so not to push too many people away from this podcast just yet we're going to get some of it now but i think they should check that out especially if they're kind of if they're not already listening now that you're part of a new team a new city and all these things people that might be interested in and invested in what you got going on should definitely go check it's just it's a cole swider podcast so it's easy to find so um the other part about it is you mentioned uh i mentioned sort of the transparency and you were very open about maybe a level of disappointment by being waived by the lakers and i kind of just want to start this interview kind of there Right. Um, yeah. You didn't expect it? it. It was it was something surprising to you. Yeah, it was very surprising to me. I mean, I, I feel like when, when you kind of get waved off that first year, two way, it might be right before summer league. Right. And uh, go, going into this, going to the second year, I mean, it, it sounded like everything was good. Um, I thought I played pretty well in summer league. I think I could have played a lot better, but I thought for the most part, I shot the ball well. I averaged 16, 15 points and six rebounds. And I thought I did some of the things that they wanted me to improve on. So, um, yeah, when, when they told they called me out of nowhere and, and told me I was waived, and um, I was really surprised. I think a lot of people around the organization were surprised. And, um, and yeah, it, it was definitely, it was definitely surprised. But I mean, it, it it's one of those things in, in this business, you can't really be shocked by anything. Right. Um, it's a part of it and, and you try and take your next step forward after that the timing was weird and i remember just from the outside people like me who follow the league pretty closely like the timing was weird you mentioned it was sort of after summer league and you know you i thought you showed good moments and you, you were a standout for their g league program uh and, and stuff like that so it was a little surprising that said it didn't take long for you to end up in miami uh, what was that process like? You mentioned it before, but like, um, correct me if I'm wrong. It was Miami, Milwaukee, and Boston. Yeah, the teams kind of interested in you. Were the calls just coming in immediately after you got waived? Yeah. So as soon as, soon as you get waived, you go into the waiver wire, and then there's a 48 hour period where you can pick up your contract. Um, so in that first 48 hours, we we're just waiting to see if anyone would pick up my contract. Um, that didn't happen. So after that, we kind of were able to cipher through all the all the 
opportunities. Most of the opportunities that were presented to me were E10s with an opportunity to fight for a two-way. Um, and when you look at those situations, there's not a better t- situation than Miami, right? They've had so many guys who came in on E10s who've been converted to two-ways, who's been converted to main, main contracts. There's not a lot of times where guys even come to Miami as a straight two-way, right? Like, they, they, he, there's not a lot of times where it's just like, hey, like, here's a two-way contract. A lot of these guys are, have to earn it through E10s. Even even our two-ways now, I mean, all three of them signed an E10 at first, and, and they've been converted to a, a two-way Orlando Robinson E10, two-way uh, standard contract, Duncan Robinson, Max Strew, Skate Vincent, like all these guys have kind of been through like this process. So um, my agent was very, very firm and and, and thinking that Miami was a great fit for me. And having guys like Max Strews and Duncan Robinson most recently um, be able to come in and, and carve out a role and, and obviously get big contracts in the future was, was, was very convincing for me to come to Miami. It's interesting to hear you say that because when, when Miami picked you up, all of us were like, oh, okay, like, the Heat have a type, you know, yeah. big, bigger body kind of guy, shooter, um, maybe some two-way potential there, but a proven track record to be able to to, to shoot the ball from three-point range. Duncan Robinson, Max Struess, you, you mentioned the guys there. But interesting to hear, like, you saw what they were able to do in terms of just making a living, getting the contract, carving out a role, doing all that kind of stuff. And that really was – it kind of – the decision kind of boiled down to that, it sounds like. Yeah, I have great representation. Nico Falapovich and Bill Duffy, and, and, and they were very – they were very adamant. They said Miami was the first team to call as soon as I went to the waiver wire. Um, they they called Bill right away and, and expressed their interest and expressed that they, they do well with guys like me. Um, and then the, the other teams, they were interested as well, but it, it, it wasn't at the same – it didn't seem like the same level, at, at least at first, that, that Miami expressed. So um, they, were, they were big on it. It took me a couple of days to come come to my conclusion, but I, I knew it was, it was the best fit for me. Was this uh, the first you heard from the Heat? at all like you you go undrafted out of Syracuse a couple years ago like were they on your radar then or was this just sort of out of nowhere yeah no so that that was one of the not not concerns about Miami but I I didn't come here for a pre-draft workout which was kind of strange um and then then the level of interest that they kind of had for me right away right when I went to waiver wire but um at the end of the day when when like now that I'm a year in, I feel like I have a lot more experience. It, it feels like a really good opportunity to come in here and obviously make a difference, right? I mean, with Max Struess leaving the roster, with Gabe Vincent leaving the roster, those are two very good shooters that um, that there's, there might be a little void and there might be a little opportunity for me to come in and, and, and earn a two-way spot, a contract, and um, hopefully be able to play. That's my goal, right? It, there might be other situations where there's a two-way spot open or there's opportunities to kind of go in there and earn a two-way. But I was on a two-way last year. I only got, I only got to play in seven games, which was no fault of my own or the Lakers. It was just the situation that we were in. So um, I, I think just seeing the track record of, of all these guys being able to play in the, in the NBA and, and get real minutes, Orlando Robinson playing 32 games, Jamal Kane playing 20 games, Drew Smith being able to start a game last year, right? Mm-hmm. That, that that all goes into your decision-making process when when wanting to actually play in the NBA, not just being on a two-way. You're obviously doing this interview from the facility. You've been there for two weeks, a little bit more than two weeks? Yeah, three weeks now. Three weeks, okay. What First impressions of the program? Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, the Miami Heat culture is real. Like the first day we came in here, we did a conditioning test, right? Um, the strength, <laughs> the, the strength program is a real deal, and it, it really feels a lot like my time at Villanova. Um, okay. Villanova, we we were very uh, militant. Strength conditioning program was on point. Um, it was very team oriented. The the work, like the workouts here, I felt like in, in LA it was a lot more individualized. Here it's a lot more team based, right? Where you're doing defense in the summer, which 
which in the in the summer that's that's not that's a rare commodity in the NBA when you're when you're doing defensive drills and in a workout, right? So I, I think it's been a great experience so far. I think I've learned a lot and and like I said, like they, they know how to play with a guy like me. So when, when I go out there and pick up and I'm doing some of these things, they're like, oh, okay, like that's that's something that Duncan would do in right. in in the game, or that's something that Max did last year. So so we we can see how that fits into our offense and even having Bam around and um, all of our coaching staff who know how to pl- how to work with guys like me, it's been a really good experience and, and it's it's been great to kind of pick their brains on what they on what those guys do um, to to make themselves valuable in the NBA. What was the conditioning test you mentioned day one? That's they they're just they're measuring stuff. They're measuring body fat. Like what are, what are they doing? Yeah, yeah. Obviously the body fat stuff, the weight. Um, and yeah, I mean conditioning tests. I, I think a lot of NBA teams do this closer to training camp. But the first day we come in here, we're, we're touching uh, ten sprints back and forth. Um, and you only have to make two at the beginning. But I heard once you get closer to training camp, it gets to be like five or six. So right. So um, if you took a nice little summer vacation and and had a little fun, that that first day tr- uh, conditioning test could be a little rough. Yeah, I, I think I think the conditioning itself isn't isn't that bad, but it's more the mental piece of it, right? If you're telling yourself you like, oh, this this stinks, this this sucks, then you're gonna have a hard time doing it. But I I think that if you're not doing that, if you can't make that kind of stuff, then you're probably not a good fit fit for the Miami Heat. <laughs> Today's episode of Locked on Heat is brought to you by Bird Dogs. I love my Bird Dogs. They make me look good with their stretch khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving me a truly sculpted look. To put it another way, Bird Dogs shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. And they're way better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. You don't want that. So Bird Dogs fixed the issue by inventing a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Plus, friends, they are liberating. Just put it that way. Plus, Bird Dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Trust me and get yourself a pair. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA or enter the promo code LockedOnNBA for a free white tech hat with your purchase. That's birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA or the promo code LockedOnNBA for a free white tech hat with your purchase. You're not going to want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. You mentioned the the doing the defensive work at this point. That is rare. Like you don't really see that around the NBA. And it does make sense when you kind of think about what it is that the Heat have implemented over the last few years. One of those things being the zone. Has that been a conversation with any of the coaching staff? Are they asking you about, hey, like what were you doing with Bayheim there? Like are, are they asking you for tips on the zone? Like is that are those conversations happening? No. No, it hasn't happened yet, but I bet those conversations will happen. We, we played a little bit of zone last year in the G League, um, and everyone was asking, like, hey, like, what, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Huh. Um, what would Bayheim say here? So, I, and that's another reason why I, I chose to come to the Heat, right? Like, they, they play the most zone out of any team in the NBA. So, um, it's, it's a weapon that they use, and, and obviously I, I know I'm a, I'm a pretty good zone defender. Um and, and that, that would definitely help me get on the court uh, immediately and, and kind of be able to show my offensive skills and then be able to, obviously the, the big thing for me is working on my defense. And that's why, that's why I've loved being here so far is that um, we're breaking down things on the defensive end. We're working on our sliding and, and doing all these different things. And that's something I need to work on. So it's, it's been great not having to come back on my own and do those things. I get to do that in the actual team practice. You shared this story on the podcast and, and I promise not to step on your show. Like people can go listen to it, but I did want yeah. to ask this, but. Uh, you mentioned I, I, the first time I think it was that you met Bam. It was in the locker room. I think after one of your workouts, maybe it was before. Yeah. Um, you talked to him a little bit, and he was kind of uh, chatting with you. Like, 
Tell me about that experience. The first time you met Bam. You know, Bam's an unbelievable guy, man. Just just being around him. He was here more the first week I was here. Last couple of weeks, he has he hasn't been here as much. But Bam's an unbelievable hard work, unbelievably hard worker. Like this guy's in the gym four times a day, and and just talking to him about his work ethic is just it's crazy because you think you're working hard, working out two three times a day. I mean, he he's talking about he gets in the gym at six, he's coming back at or he's doing a lift right after that. He's coming back at ten eleven when we're when we're just stepping on the court, and then he's coming back at night to shoot like. He's like, if Kobe Bryant's doing that five times a day, then I, I can work out four times a day. So just just being around him, seeing the success that he's had, and he's still hungry to to get to to win a championship, to to earn more contracts. And I mean, he, he could easily just not not mail it in, but work out twice a day, and and, and everyone would be like, hey, you're working hard, bam, and all these different things. But he's he's really committed. He's really committed to his craft, and he's just a, he's just a great guy. I'll, I'll share another story. I mean, I had a Syracuse manager come in to rebound for me uh, one night when he was in. And uh, I mean, Bam doesn't owe anything to me or to to this kid to to give him a conversation or anything like that. But he he stopped he stopped him. He's like, hey hey, what's your name? He was like, my name's Zach. I went to Syracuse. I was with, I was I was with Cole. He's like, hey man, I I always wanted to play at Syracuse, and it, it was conversating with him. So obviously, he's a great he's a really hard worker, and he's he's a great human being as well. So it's just, it's just really great to be around guys like that. Have you gotten a chance to talk with Spo? I know he's sort of in and out with the Team USA thing. Yeah, I got I got a chance to talk to him. Yeah, no, it, it was great. He he was uh he was like, man, like uh, it, it's great to have you. We've been trying to get you for the past year, so it, <laughs> it, it it's it's been good, man. All, all these guys. One thing that I really like about the organization is that I mean, the GMs in the gym every single day. The assistant GMs in the gym every single day. Um, Pat Riley's been in the gym four or five times watching us play. So it feels like you're really being evaluated, and and a, and a guy in the E10 really has a chance to to come in and, and earn something, right? Where those guys and other organizations may not have that same opportunity. What's the goal for you? Is it just obviously you want one of these two-way spots? Are you looking at the roster spot? Like, what? what what's your goal? Man, whatever happens, right? I, I'm committed to my craft. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not afraid to um, be on a two-way or, or hopefully hopefully be on a contract spot, right? I mean, I think at the end of the day, my, my goal is to be an NBA player. My goal is to crack an NBA rotation and sticking sticking in for long enough and then get, be able just to uh, escalate my career that way, right? So I wouldn't say, like, oh, like my goal is to to skip a two-way, right? If the two-way is a spot for me, then, then obviously that's that's what I want to be. Um, but at the same time, I just want to keep on getting better, keep on getting to a point where uh, I, I solidify myself as an NBA player. You mentioned working on your craft. And, look, you're you're a great shooter. The, the numbers bear it out. The track record. Yeah. Uh, I was watching some of your film. I'm like, yeah, I mean, this guy's straight up and down. He's shooting like boom. But like, look, I I don't do what you do. Obviously, I do this. Yeah. Um, I know what a great shooter is. Like a good to a great shooter. Like a great shooter, yeah. you could see it. Like Seth Curry, forty percent for his whole career. Steph Curry, obviously, like these are great shooters. Yeah. When you're watching shooters, though, you know you could go beyond just like the percentage, the box score. Like when you're yeah. watching a shooter, how do you know if that shooter is good or if that shooter is great? I think the movement piece is, is a big part of being a great shooter. I think a lot of, a lot of guys, like even a guy like P.J. Tucker, I, I consider him a great shooter, but he's more of a standstill shooter because of the things that he does in the defensive end. He doesn't have to move around. A guy like Duncan Robinson and a guy like Steph Curry and a guy like Clay Thompson, right? I, I consider those guys great shooters to to uh, more, some of the most elite shooters of all time because they're able to catch the ball and and move their bodies in certain ways and still get it up and, and make and make crazy shots. So, um I think that's the biggest piece of, of being a, a great shooter. 
Um, well, our shooting coach here, Rob Forder, was telling me that Doug Robinson had the, had the had the best catch and shoot year of all time, and eighty eight percent of his shots were were threes, and he was the third cl- third most closely guarded player in the whole entire NBA that year. Hmm. So if that doesn't show a great shooter, then I, I don't know what does. And Steph Curry the same way. Like I, I was in, I was obviously on the bench for our our scouting report when when we were playing against Steph in the playoffs, but the things that we were that we were trying to focus on with him is we have seven or eight different things that, that we're doing to trying to force him into AD. So we're not trying to do anything but take away his threes. And he's still getting off nine to, to 12 threes a game and, and making five or six of them. So just the difficulty of shots and, and, and how, and how well you move off the ball is what I really look at. You, you already took one of these names, but I just speed round real quick. You're going to tell me if this shooter is good or if this shooter is great. All right. First okay. one, it's an easy one. Clay Thompson. Great. Duncan Robinson, you already talked great. about. Great. Yep. This one's interesting. James Harden. Because if you would look at his percentages, good three-point shooter. Yeah. Man, I've been wa- I've watched him in, like, warm-ups, and he nets everything. And I'm yeah. just curious, like, from your perspective, good or great shooter? Yeah, so I, I – uh, so – I, I actually work out with Clay Thompson's trainer. His name's Charlie Torres, and right. Charlie said that that he he worked out James Harden one time. And he's like, he, that guy shoots with with Clay and Steph, like percentage wise, right? Or at least at least in workouts. So yeah. I would say he's a great shooter. I mean, he's he's probably what top five all time in three pointers made. So probably made, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so he he's he's a great shooter to me. I he the. The degree of difficulty in game that he's doing with the step backs and the, like that's why his percentages are so low. Everything's off the dribble with him. But like, yeah, I said like you watch that guy shoot, it's clean, man. And I used to cover the Warriors and I would watch Clay and Steph shoot, and I was like, it's not that. That's you know all timer, but like yeah. it's it's closer than I thought. Uh, last one. It's the only time I promise. The only time his name will come up on the podcast. Damian Lillard. Oh, great shooter. Great shooter. Great shooter. Um, who are you guys watching up? Because you're a Rhode Island kid. Who are your guys? Like I. Like who are the guys you're watching growing up? Why why is it that you're playing basketball? Who lit the who lit the fire in you? Like where does all that come from? Yeah, I mean, so there, there's a couple guys. Obviously, like I, I'm a huge LeBron James fan. That's that's always been like my 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 guy. I, I end up being like a LeBron James fan, like wherever he's at, right? So like yeah. when he was with the Cavs and and he went to the Lakers, like I, I turned into a LeBron James fan. But growing up, I, I had a guy in my town named Andrew Shravitz and. Um, he was the kind of like he played at Butler University, and he was first team All Big East as a senior. And he was kind of like the first guy from my town to show me I can make it to high major Division One basketball. Um, both my parents played Division One basketball, so um, they they kind of lit a spark under, underneath me. And and yeah, I, I think there's been a lot of guys from from the state that have kind of shown me the way um, to make it to to, to big time basketball. Right? I think even like a guy like Duncan Robinson showing a six eight white guy can can go into the NBA, even even being a two, off a two-way contract and maybe not having the, the crazy amount of draft love um, has, has given me life. I remember on, on draft night, I hit up Duncan. Um, he didn't hit me up. I, I hit him up. I was like, man, like, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity because I know this opportunity wouldn't, wouldn't be here without you because you you paved the way for a guy like me, a, a movement shooter, and, and your success has given me a chance to be on a two-way with the Lakers. So, um even stuff like that, it's, it's been really great to just kind of watch those guys play and model, model my game after them. I really appreciate the time here, Cole. Last thing for you. You've been in Miami for almost a month now. Like, favorite place, restaurant, activity, bar, whatever, anything that you found while you're down here? 
Yeah, no, I, I love going down to Brickell and just being around like that whole entire uh, area, like the yeah. Brickell City Center and um, there's a couple of places down there, North Italia and Moxie's and Komodo, like all those places are, are great. Those are some of the, I probably only ate at like four places. Those are probably three of the, the places that I've been to, but um, yeah, it, it's, it's been great to be down here. Obviously it's really, really hot. It's really humid, which, which stinks. But besides that, I mean, it's been, it's been amazing to be down here. Obviously being around the, this culture and just trying to stay locked in with, 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 with my, with my craft and, and earn one of these two way contracts and hopefully be on the roster. Well, I appreciate the time here, Cole. Uh, good luck in training camp. Good luck for the rest of the summer. Until training camp, I'm sure we'll talk to you again uh, then. So appreciate the time, man. Yeah, thank you, man.